Hello and welcome to episode 81 of the Liverpool Comedy Improvcast with me, Ian Luke-Jones. This is where we get to know the people who make up the LCI community and a place where we get to delve into all sorts of improv topics. And today we are focusing on the Liverpool Improvisation Festival with our guest, Mark Smith. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and wherever else you get your podcasts. We're even available on Amazon Podcasts, which means that you can ask Alexa to play the show. And it's not just Alexa either. You can ask uh, Google Home, uh, Apple, whatever, you know, whatever these home devices are. If they speak to you, you can speak to them and say, hey, play the Liverpool Comedy Improvcast. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please leave us a five-star review and subscribe to the show to give us a boost and help get our name out there. Now it's time to go off script and find out Mark's true story of how to put on a festival. And please welcome this week's guest. It's Mark. Welcome, Mark. Hello. Now, I'm super excited to have you on uh, because you are the person that has uh, set up the Liverpool Improvisation Festival, and I'm super excited to hear all about it. Uh, yeah, I'm one of many people, really. Okay. Um, there's been a, you know, I'm kind of been the person who's been doing the majority of the organising, but Emma Bird from Liverpool Comedy Improv has been instrumental in helping me uh, put together, I think, a very... Uh, interesting varied program um also there are tons of people in the city and in the region uh who i've been talking about this idea for a number of years so it's kind of been uh a sort of small seed that now is growing into a sapling and hopefully one day will grow into a big oak tree which uh its branches kind of kind of go out into lots of different areas and is able to support uh you know the improv community so you know it's it's kind of primarily something that i've thought about for i've sort of described it to myself you know i've had this uh it's it's taken a good number of months to 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 pull it all together um but it's been in my brain for a number of years and it's sort of nice to kind of go and that's now out there you kind of go okay so uh, if you build it Hopefully people will come. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's it's sort of an ambition um, for the community, really. I was, when I first met with Emma a couple of years ago, and I first muted the idea, it was post-pandemic. Um, I'd originally wanted to do something prior to that. And then obviously, sort of, we all got shut down, as everybody knows. Um, and the sort of thing that I wanted to, be able to achieve with it was uh, certainly in this first instance in year year dot year one is to kind of galvanize those who managed to get through the pandemic uh, certainly regionally because it was really tricky I know tons of teams that were around things changed and now they're no longer around and that sort of legacy um, of those companies um has kind of gone and so in many ways the festival is partly it's dual purpose for me um i work at john moore's um and part of it's uh, about archiving and documenting a community uh impro is getting much better there's tons of great facebook groups and things where you're kind of seeing stuff like david shepherd's uh stuff from 
the original IO and things like that, where you see the documentation, you kind of go, wow, that's a piece of improv history. And although very often work is in the moment that we see on stage, actually there's a shed load of stuff that sort of is really, really interesting that goes undocumented. So part of this is long-term, I would ideally like, you know, like those well-established festivals across the world and in the UK. So we can archive it. So it actually becomes a resource for people to draw on in the future. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's one element of it. The second element of it is to kind of, I've always, I love improv. I love improv in pubs and unusual spaces. Um, but I do generally think that improv is looked uh not necessarily it's not necessarily understood or trusted uh, by more traditional venues sort of theatres um and so i've always kind of wanted to have a festival where you do get the full bells and whistles for the artists and companies you know it's fully lit there's a full sound rig you've got the opportunity of projection all of the things that are tricky to do in a non sort of theatre space so really the unity of kind of taking a big punt with this um, and I'm very grateful for them you know both supporting and hosting us um, because it's complete unknown um, what I think is exciting for them is it might bring people that might not naturally go through their doors uh, and so the kind of crossover I think to kind of go oh, okay um, and the unity sort of over the last couple of years since Gordon um, has taken over as um, as artistic director is about creating opportunity. And I think he recognized that in terms of kind of going, actually there is opportunity here to bring a whole load of really, really enthusiastic, very talented people who work incredibly hard uh, to, to sort of perfect their ability to work spontaneously. So that's what gets me excited. That's what gets me up in the morning is kind of going, okay, this is a really exciting opportunity to folk. And we've got a broad mix of new and emerging, so quite relatively quite new, and some more established um, kind of improvisers and companies who've been knocking around a bit, but, you know. And so they're kind of trying to strike a balance of, of both. Um, and certainly this year, I'm very aware that um, it might appear because I've curated it next year. I would like to have a guest curator. I would like to make it more open access. Uh, so it's quite transparent about how decisions are made. So year one, if people will bear with me, is kind of like, okay, we just need to get it off the ground and make it happen. Um, you know, I'm very aware of that potential criticism and I'm very, you know, happy to have that come conversation with folk um, and really um, it's it's exciting because um, there's a ton of great people who are coming you know we've got 63, 63 improvisers across two days 12 shows four workshops so with the time and the space that we have we're absolutely utilizing to the max so you know you can go and see a show uh, you can just go and catch one or you can go and get six in a day with a day ticket for 30 pounds. So I, I think that's quite good value, really. 
you know, you could be in the you could be in the Unity from three till ten o'clock at night if you wish, and go and see a show every on the hour, basically. So lots of stuff to see. Yeah, I think the the value is incredible. Um, I, when I was checking out everything that's available, and you can get the day pass, or you can just go and pick individual workshops or individual shows. I think it, it's really great, and we should probably just mention the actual date of it so people know uh, when. It yeah, <laughs> that would help. <laughs> Mark, um, yeah, it's April 21st and 22nd of April, so it's a Friday, Saturday, um, so it's post Easter, so uh, yeah, it's a, it'll be a two days of uh, of of really exciting work, and um, you know, there's some stuff that I've never seen, and I've kind of gone, that sounds amazing, um, I really want to go see that. Uh, or the stuff that I have seen and I know it's absolutely brilliant and I know people absolutely love it so Joe Tramarco um, who's a fool uh, she trained with full time um, with Jonathan Kay and fooling is a medieval art form so if you think about King Lear and the fool the fool has existed for you know thousands of years well a thousand years um, and it's a very old practice but it's spontaneous. Um, and so it's something I wanted to introduce her to the improv community because I think what she brings is something very different. Um, we've got Owen Scrivens and Rihanna Lewis who have made a piece of work called Living Dying Dead uh, and both work in end of uh, life care and they've made a piece of work which looks at that. Um, so there's a real balance of solo performance so we've got Trev Fleming, who you'll probably know from Improvathon and various companies in propriety. Um, he's coming and bringing a new solo piece of work, which is called Trev Fleming 42, in which Trev will improvise 42 characters in 42 minutes based from a suggestion from a book. Uh, and having seen uh, having seen uh, him his work, I, when he went to me, oh, this is what I want to do. I was like, oh my god, that sounds so cool. Um, I don't, I don't wish ever to try that myself, but you know, Trev, I'm sure is uh, absolutely capable of doing that. Um, we've got uh, Rubber Shakespeare. So I worked with them uh, starting last year to create a children's piece. So it's family friendly, uh, which is called the Incomplete Works of Shakespeare, in which we improvise. Uh, five-act structure of Shakespeare. Um, we've got who I saw many, 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 many years ago, Comedy Sports from Manchester, who, you know, have been going for what seems like forever. Uh, I first saw them in the contact in 1990-something or other, uh, way back when. Um, you know, so we've got Mixer team, which Emma's bringing from Liverpool Comedy Improv. So opportunity for folk just to kind of all bounce together, put on a mixed team show. So we've kind of I've tried to kind of create a balance of, of things for folk. Um, I'm working on a new piece, which I'm quite excited about, which is um, improvised puppetry um, and something that we're playing around with. So I've tried to look at where... For me personally, my improv journey is kind of going, what isn't being made? How can we apply those things to and find something new and interesting? 
Uh, I'm always kind of trying to push where things might be able to go. And sometimes that risk doesn't work, but, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, fail and fail better next time. I can't remember the quote, but, you know, it's something <laughs> those guys. Mr. Beckett came up with it at some point, I think. I'm excited uh, to hear about the puppetry thing. I love puppetry. And um, I have a little puppet, which I, I originally got to help me in the classroom when I was a music teacher and I've used it in my my general work as, as a, a general classroom teacher but I've also used uh, my puppet to help me uh, facilitate improv sessions and like what you can get from having this extra little character with you is is so joyful. <laughs> well we're we're sort of at the early stages we've been we've been in kind of trying stuff out for a couple of weeks or so um, and we've got some got some great so we've got some great puppeteers so Ashlyn Lane who's helping me work on that and then we've got Trev in there as well kind of working out what's the relationship with the audience actually it's quite dark actually and not very funny um, they're sort of either interrogation or confessional and that may change I don't know but that's where that's kind of my observation at the moment it's that's quite it's quite uh it's it's certainly interesting um we've got a mixture of humanettes so a humanette is a puppet body which fixes to the and then we've got normal uh kind of uh sort of puppet that you kind of normally reckon we haven't got rod or rod or anything like that but um we've got gloss up improv so jess uh who i first met when she was up in lancaster uh, and worked with an uh, improv team up there. She's coming with her team from Glossop in Derbyshire. So, so we've got quite um, a lot of people coming from here, there and everywhere. <laughs> and we've also got, you know, Atom Improv. So our local favourites from in Liverpool kind of going to be coming and dropping Harold, which will be great. So, and lots of, uh, lots of folk there. People will be familiar with like Al and Becky and Jen and Ahmed and, Things like that. So. Yeah. I just want to go back to Glossop Improv that you mentioned there because I'm performing with Glossop Improv because I'm part of Glossop Improv. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Oh, that's fantastic. But I, names and faces, I'm not very good at. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's nice to put a great name to now Finally, a name to a face. Um, I'm part of a few different things, um, but my fiance Seki, Seki Tabas Suarez, uh, is one of the co-founders with Jess of Glossop Improv. But then I took her away from gossip and we now live in north wales but Seki and i run the gossip improv online sessions and we still get to gossip when we can to take part in in-person stuff um so yeah gossip improv is one of the things that Seki and i are a part of and we'll be oh, there wow. on the day hey well i can't wait it'll be uh as, as jess has called it short and sweet which i really yeah. like I like, ah. or if you look at it you just take the initials sas which is even more kind of yeah we're gonna get in there gorilla style kind of go and take out some uh we'll go and take out some puns and jokes and make our own die with laughter <laughs> Yeah, it worked out really well because Seki and I are actually going to the Philippines for the first couple of weeks of April, um, but we will be back in time for the festival, so we're super excited. Oh, wow. Philippines is amazing. Yeah, well, I've heard a lot of great things about it, so I'm excited to actually get out there and see what it's all about. <laughs> <laughs> so the festival is your sort of brainchild. You've had it. 
as something that you've wanted to do for a while, you've you've finally sort of pulled that trigger and, and you're making it happen. I just want to find out sort of a bit further back in your journey. So where did the love of improv come from? How did you discover it in the first place? Okay, so my improv journey is probably slightly different. Um, I sort of didn't realise I was doing improv. Um, I was devising at the university and you know sort of early 90s devising was sort of in its infancy so we were devising to make plays so it was sort of collaborative playmaking um, and we would set up a story structure and from that we would then create scenes we'd document those scenes i.e we'd write them down we'd refine them and then put them out as new piece uh, new plays and so I wasn't really aware of improv. I had read Keith Johnston at some point and kind of found when I read it at the time, I found it quite impenetrable um, at first. And I was a bit like, oh, okay, don't really. So I was sort of didn't necessarily take it on board in the same way that I did sort of slightly later on. Um, so I spent most of my uni time learning how to devise and make new plays uh, without realizing I was really improvising. So, you know, what was really interesting, David uh, from Improv Boost has written, has written loads of really interesting stuff on his Facebook page around the rules and this, that, and that. And I was sort of had a conversation with him, oh, it must have been about five, six weeks ago, about the rules. And I was sort of said, well, I, I didn't really encounter them. So I didn't really know about them. <clears throat> um, so, but when I sort of became aware of improv as an art form, it was in 2002. So uh, we'd been making, well, we were about five years into uh, Spike Theatre's journey of making new work. So we we're about four plays in by that point. Um, and Spike at the time were a regularly funded company from the arts by the Arts Council. And so we were touring work here, there and everywhere. Um, and we got invited to take part in some workshops uh, run by a guy called Rob Hitchmo. Uh, and Rob's an impro teacher, comedian, and Rawhide Comedy at the time uh, were really big in Liverpool. Um, they had a comedy club and all sorts of things happening. Um, and so they wanted to have an improv night, which was called Monkey Lab. So they trained, Rob trained from 2002 to early 2003, a group of stand-ups, uh, including like Silky, um, just trying to think who, uh, Tony Cairns, um, trying to think of who else. Um, but they were like mainstays as part of Rawhide Comedy. So they were regular stand-up comedians, touring, gigging here, there and everywhere. Um and he brought a group of actors in uh, who were used to, as it turns out, improvising um, from Rejects Revenge um, Theatre Company and put those in a room. And then we learned short form. So we learned games based improv. Um, and the great thing about Rob was he kind of didn't really, again, didn't kind of go, oh, these, these are the rules. What I picked up and one of the things that I've always sort of taken forward is kind of that idea of listen and respond. 
So as part of my academic journey, kind of lots of those acting systems developed by Meisner and Stanislavski and Stella Adler are really trying to search for how to make pre-written text sound like it's being spoken for the first time. So it sounds like we're having a conversation and it's authentic and it's live and it's not rehearsed. So listen and respond was the thing that Rob really gave me. And that's what I took away from that. Um, we did Monkey Lab. So it happened once a week for six months at the Casa. Um, we did, so you get 200 people in every week. It was packed out. It, it did really, really, really well. Um, the downside of having such a big, so we had, a, it was uh, theatre sports. So Rob would act as the referee. We had a, a, a group of judges and then we had about 12, between 10 and 12 performers every week okay. upon stage. Um, and it was well attended. It was really good fun. Um, learned a lot stage time in terms of just being out there. What we found became slightly frustrating is just as we were getting into sort of telling a story or developing a scene that it would get crashed with somebody coming in and it's their natural instinct as a comedian it's the kind of go gag uh, and we kind of in the end sort of got slightly tired of that and there was a bit of a break with monkey lab um just for the summer and then it wasn't brought back so we went oh okay so let's see what we could do here. So Tim Hibbert from Rejects Revenge had um, met two guys, um, Todd Stashwick, uh, who's an actor, improviser and teacher uh, from Los Angeles and John Thies uh, were over with the touring show from Second City at Edinburgh in the 90s. And they'd been to see Rejects Revenge and they created physical theatre, comedy stuff, uh, which is really clever, really, you know, kind of nice stories, but very, it, the presentation sort of mix of clowning and, and mime and all sorts of physical tricks. And John and Todd uh, really enjoyed that. Tim and Todd stayed in touch. So Tim went over to New York. Um, John and Todd left Second City Touring Company, moved to New York and set up a new, they developed a new piece of work called The Beast, which ran off-Broadway in New York for nearly a decade or just under a decade. And this was developed with Shira Piven. Um, and Shira Piven's parents were one of the original, uh, part of the original Compass players. So it goes way back. Uh, and they also, they also ran uh, an improv uh, school for children. So Jeremy Piven, who's the actor, is Shira Piven's uh, sister, brother? Yeah, brother. Um, <laughs> getting confused now. Not enough coffee yet. <laughs> anyway, so Shira Piven developed a brand new piece of work with John and Todd and her uh, husband, Adam, who's now a film director and works with, uh, writes movies and directs Will Ferrell and stuff like that. Um, so Adam McKay. Um, so... Good genes, as they say. So John and Todd did The Beast uh, and they ran off Broadway, as I said, for a long, long time. Um, 
they then up sticks and moved out to Los Angeles to pursue their acting careers. Um, and they set up um, they set up an impro school in a part of Los Angeles um, called the Hot House. And the Hot House ran for a number of years. And what they were doing was uh, what they describe as organic improv, which is quite, that's a term that they coined. Um, and essentially, it's long form, but with no ask for's from an audience. So we uh, we invited uh, both companies invited uh, Todd over to come and spend two weeks with us to make a piece of work. Uh, and it became a hybrid of the beast and our own skill set. And it was called Hoof. So we did that in 2002. So it was kind of probably one of the first shows in the UK where it was proper long form. So what we would do is walk out on stage, five actors, musician, uh, and then we'd make stuff up. Um, and we'd do two shows uh, back to back. So we'd do first act. Uh, and they weren't linked, but sometimes they would be, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and we spent a considerable amount of time developing that. Uh, in the end, we had a pool of about 15 performers, um, which we trained up over that period of time. Um, and that was very liberating um, in terms of learning how to build story how to the best way i describe it is um the film shortcuts where you get snapshots of across los angeles yeah. and you get all these snapshots and gradually the storylines weave and cross taking you to this conclusion climax whatever you want to describe it so it was kind of um it was very exciting to blend uh, what they were doing with our physical uh, training in terms of physical theatre so we were really good at mime really good at acrobatics so we kind of um, so our scenic painting all of that sort of stuff was really was something that was natural and we didn't really have to think about um, it was more about the structural elements that we did um, so we spent a good long time touring that across the UK um, John Fees, who's sadly no longer with us um, also came over the following year and did some follow-up work. Um, John and Todd, I saw perform in the hot house when we went over to Los Angeles and performed. And it was just one of the most remarkable things I've ever seen on stage. It was just so effortless. Uh, it was it was just a joy to watch. Um, and so I always aspired to be able to kind of get to where they got to. Um, in terms of both as performer, but as also as facilitator. So um, the more and more I kind of continued to perform with Hoof, we did, so we sort of did shows from about 2004, and we did our last shows at the Unity in 2014 when we closed the company. Um, so we spent a lot of time uh, on, on stage. Um, I think we did something like 130 shows in that time and obviously you're doing two 45 to an hour so a lot of stage time uh, and I learned a huge amount um, towards the latter part I started to coach and do sort of train people um, my take on things is is very much back to Rob's is, is how you listen and respond 
um, being authentic. Um, I don't think, you know, for me, humor emerges from the situation. Um, I think very often the type of offer that people come in with, they very often ignore the emotional offer. And that can be a really strong way of starting something. Um, being patient and not going straight to text, um, you know, telling story non-verbally um, is really, really interesting. So that's kind of, in a nutshell, my improv journey as a performer. And then I started to sort of start to coach uh, primarily through my teaching at John Moore's. Um, and we've had lots of people kind of go through that. I did a sort of decade just under a decade's worth of work with students on and off, uh, teaching them how to improvise. And because for me, improv is pure acting. Um, and the very thing that kind of, as I sort of said, Miser and Adler are, are striving for. So um, it's an actor training tool, um, but it can also be applied somewhere else. Um, and so more and more and more, I've stopped necessarily making theatre or what we might describe as traditional theatre or devised. And I've kind of gone, right, okay, this is a proper actor challenge where we design a structure, a scenario, uh, a something, and then see what happens. And so that's kind of where I am now. Um, I did perform last year again as, a, as an improviser for the Incomplete Works of Shakespeare. So we opened a brand new piece of work at Shakespeare North. Uh, and then we did uh, another gig in Liverpool last in the autumn. Um, but the plan was never that for me to do that. We had Lucy uh, and then she got a job in Ibiza. So it was like, oh, okay, Mark was a lot, you know. And <laughs> so now we've, we've since November of last year, we've been training another team up. So we've now got a team of 12. So I was very aware that it's four boys on stage. Uh, now we've got, you know, uh, a real gender split and that's exciting because difference is exciting and rhythms are exciting and just differences. You, if you've got similar people who are the similar type or have a similar mind, you tend to create the same show. Okay. Actually, you need, you need, you need, uh, you need that spark. You need that kind of someone who thinks differently and you just have to deal with it. And that creates... It genuinely means that you are in the moment. Um, so I'm a big believer in ensembles that are together, have a shorthand. <clears throat> um, it can then become very tempting or it can, becomes very tempting that you've got muscle memory and actually um, you kind of know what somebody else is going to do, but it sort of creates generic work. And I kind of like the anarchic element of throwing somebody in who's going to do something and you generally haven't to play in a moment and generally dig stuff out and sometimes that can be a real pain because you're kind of going what are you doing in your head and at the same time you're going thank you for that that's brilliant now I've got something to kind of I've just got to work here and I've just got to work out how do we pull all these things together and that's exciting so um yeah we're uh, I like to perform, but it's not my passion. My passion is generally is is facilitating others, and that's where I gain joy from. Um, part of you know, uh, I have a mantra 
which is on my phone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I went through my, you know, they, they talk about seven year cycles. Yeah. I went through my melancholy seven year cycles <laughs> and then I decided I need to do something about that. So I'm in my find the fun seven year cycle. So partly a, a lot of this stuff is kind of going, okay, well, you know, I'm not bothered about making money. I don't like losing money, but I'm certainly not a greedy man. Uh, I certainly want to um, create stuff that makes the world a slightly nicer place um, and makes uh, gives opportunities to really talented folk, really, and to be able to develop people. You know, uh, you look at most of the, the ensemble that were part of the Everyman and Playhouse and the Royal Court, Keddy Lee and Paul, um, all did hoof with us. So Kerry Sutton, uh, who worked with Ken Campbell, um, Paul Duckworth and Liam Tobin. You know, they've all been fantastic actors. I genuinely believe that their training that they undertook with us made them much better actors, as in the ability to react and it yeah. seemed effortless. Um, you know, and that's that's exciting. That's exciting. I think too often in traditional actor training, that's sort of overlooked. Um, that's probably a real <laughs> generalised thing. But my experience of working with actors who've gone through particular systems, the inability to be flexible, the inability to be able to listen. Um, you know, I always kind of use, you've got to sort of find your own set of clothes and you can draw from lots of, different areas be a be a creative magpie and steal and take what relates to you not to ignore things but you know create your own uh, and that in that that kind of really interests me academically to kind of learn and read about that sort of stuff you know and david uh, escadibo is obviously based out in chester um he's writing his phd around improvisation i finished my PhD uh, in September of last year and I sort of one of the things I noticed in most of the sources that I utilize around devising is they talk about well, improvisation is used but not how it's used yeah uh, and so that's the gap that I was looking to write about oh. is how do you apply improvisation within a device theater setting and that's exciting to me um, and so you know kind of how do you document that how do you document something that spontaneously and that's really interesting it's something that you know i think folk are really thinking about you know is it dance notation is it this you know and i think it's got to find its own own form yeah it's fascinating loads and loads and loads (laughs) (laughs) makes my my job a lot easier Uh, it's, it always fascinates me when I hear people talk about acting and improv and how like there's there's like this whole sort of group of of the actor world that in some ways they sort of look down their nose at improv. Oh, that's not proper acting, darling. But then there are others that really embrace it. I've got a friend who I had on this podcast a while back. He is a professional actor and he has no interest in ever trying improv because, you know, who is he without a script? But I've seen him teach acting and he uses improv techniques um, to teach <laughs> how to act. So uh, why why it's a separate thing there and it doesn't want to get up on a stage, I can't understand. Um, but yeah, th- there are some Im- 
some actors out there that really embrace improv and lean into it. But I just can't believe that there's so many out there that shy away from it. I I I know actors who just get no. That's like my worst nightmare, uh, and I get that, and that's fine. You know, um, sometimes working on a script is my worst nightmare. I'm kind of going, <laughs> oh, I don't like it. This this it speaks nothing to me. Um, least least if I'm performing or facilitating, I know that the script's going to be different every single time, and it is a script. You know, if we documented it, you kind of go, yeah. The amazing thing around doing um, the incomplete works of Shakespeare is genuinely we spend a lot of time working out structurally um, play, Shakespeare's plays, how they are structured. So, you know, we are serious students of Shakespeare. We just so happen to make up brand new Shakespeare plays. Um, <laughs> you know, we work out, you know, how do you do rhyming couplets? You know, iambic pantomime, you know, how do you use all of that? How do you, you know, how can you improvise a sword fight safely? You know, we, we yeah. train. We train with weapons, so we can do all that. You know, all of our company. You know, we encode choral singing. All of those sort of things that you kind of—they're all very theatrical, and they're, they're all the. But how can you use and utilize that in the moment? And that takes a lot of time, and a lot of effort, and a lot of um, thinking about from both the improviser and you know coach facilitator. So it, every week, I learn something new. Um, you know, I go in with a bunch of ideas, um, some of which are sort of formed and some of which I'll busk. I don't tell the company that I'm searching for something. I go, ah, that's what we're looking for. That's yeah. the piece. Right, let's develop that. And kind of I've become far more comfortable um, starting with a half an idea and then discovering something new. Um, and I kind of think that idea of test, reflect, test again you know, is a really good model is kind of go, well, who cares? You know, I'm not a brain surgeon. Um, it's not life and death. It's just, it didn't, it didn't quite work as we imagined it might, but you know, it's, it's not about, we, we've learned a load of stuff. We might not do it again, but it might crop up somewhere else where it is actually more appropriate. So yeah. um, I think, I think experimenting with, with ideas and form and what improv can be, is the way that it evolves. Um, you know, I, I like companies who uh, borrow structures and then go, right, and now we're gonna do something else with it. Um, I don't mind people borrowing structures and becoming really good at them. But at a certain point you kind of go, okay, well, that's somebody else's structure. What 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 might you do? What might you explore? So I kind of, um, I like lots of improv. Um, I used to love making people laugh. Uh, I've become less like that now. <laughs> I kind of almost deliberately try to not make people laugh. Uh, and that, and you know, the work of Pinterware is sort of a comedy of menace. That sense of tension and laughter is uh, laughter is a release valve, not because it's funny. It's because it's so uncomfortable if you do it well. And that comes from silence and playing the subtext and the situation. Um, so sometimes we've just got to hold people back a little bit and go, don't fill, don't fill the stage with words. You know, let silence. Silence is powerful. And silence can, can be used in, and lots of great playwrights understand that. And I think essentially 
that's what that's what we're doing is we're creating live plays you know that's what we do we create live plays or certainly that's the stuff that i'm interested in yeah when i do long form stuff like generally i i love short form that's like that's my wheelhouse but i do enjoy long form as well and when i'm doing any kind of improv the way my brain works in life is sort of puns wordplay one-liners that's <laughs> that's just my way and i'm very conscious that you know i have to hold back and sometimes people don't realize how much i've actually held back because yeah I, oh i said i said a pun there and i said maybe said a, a pun there but they don't realize all of the puns that i didn't say that i was dying to because i, <laughs> I didn't want to just steamroll the scene with puns <laughs> Now, my grandfather was, uh, he used to make up all sorts of nonsense poetry and he was a very, very funny man. Um, you know, so I, 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 I do admire all of that as well. Big fan of Ronnie Barker. Uh, you know, wordplay is just joyous when it's, when it's, when it's, when it's done well. Um, uh, and so, you know, I'm a big fan of that. I, certainly, I, I'm a big fan of comedy. Just at the moment, I'm kind of going, okay, let's push against that a little bit and see what improv can, what else it can be. Um, I used to, I watched quite a few uh, improv, you know, playback and kind of things like that, where you kind of go, oh, okay, someone's sharing something where, uh, and they want to address something and then it's played back to them in a really interesting way. <laughs> I remember seeing Improbable uh, in the early 90s, kind of do a life game and their previous piece of work which was improvised which is escapes me at the moment um and life game you know that interview with somebody and then you play their life back to them um it's really powerful stuff um and makes people remember things in a different in a different way i mean i remember one of the things that john thief said and he kind of goes well you can talk about stuff it was the first time I realized, actually, I've got a bit of a voice here. I can kind of just go, oh, isn't the government rubbish? And this is the reasons why, <laughs> you know, because that's what we have in normal conversation. You know, we stood at the bus stop. We have weather. We have all this, that and the other. Or, you know, and so it actually went, oh, OK, I can reveal something of myself and my potential, uh, my politics, um, my where I what I believe in and um and that was really quite revealing at the time i was going blimey okay i haven't got to pretend to be someone i can just stand and be myself which is quite it was quite liberating yeah so thank you thank you john <laughs> <laughs> well i'm currently developing a character development workshop which i'm going to be um putting out there soon for people to sign up for and i've i've tested it on my improv troupe, the Oikers, and they found the stuff that I was doing quite powerful because it was really just honing into the character that you've just created and getting really deep out of a character that in a short form scene, it would just be a quick throwaway character. But we're getting sort of, we're getting maybe up to two hours worth of material, really drilling into these characters that are from like a two minute scene. Um, so I'm excited to to do more work with that and um, sort of get that out there more to more people. That sounds really cool. Um, the uh, do you, uh, Joe Bill, have you seen Joe Bill where they do the fishing? They do the two prof and it's just them. So they play these personas uh, and then they take some arse for us and they just talk 
in a fishing boat about yeah. life and just how all the arse fours are incorporated into that. And it's just seamless. And it's just, you just kind of go, okay, well, that that's uh, that's like just watching normal folk having a conversation in a, you know. And loads of my mates, you know, they kind of, you know, if we go out or, or things like that, actually, there's some of the best nights of improv. They're not, they don't know they're improvising, but really, <laughs> you know, it's the fluid exchange of pace tone volume all of those things as more drinks go in the volume goes up and it, and it, and it is like a night of improv it's fascinating you know very often i think we try too hard i think sometimes just don't try <laughs> and see what happens you know i think <laughs> there's lots of elements of life uh that are just like improv scenes and I find I'm a primary school teacher so I, I find every day I'm just like just improv scene after improv scene because you never know what's going to happen you don't know what's going to be presented with it and sometimes you're having the time of your life and it's really funny and sometimes you have to get really serious and um, you're dealing with children you're dealing with other staff you're dealing with the parents and you're just constantly given all of these curveballs and sort of I think because I love improv and I've always naturally just enjoyed being in that situation I like that that constantly oh yeah it's it's never the same I'm always on the fly but some people really struggle with with things never being the same yeah yeah some people are scared of change uh, I think embrace change uh, change is fun change can be chaotic change can be liberating um, but you don't always want to stay in a state of change because that can also be unsettling <laughs> but um, you know I think I think yeah there's 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 a you know, my mum, who, like all mums do, came to see, you know, everything I ever did, you know, from year dot to, you know, being a professional actor, touring around Europe, uh, doing X, Y, Z. And she said the first time, she said, it was really interesting. She said, I've seen all of your work. She said, uh, and the first time she saw who, she said, you look so relaxed. Hmm. She said, it's the first time I've looked, you've ever truly looked like you're relaxed. I said, yeah, I feel relaxed. And she said, why is that? And I sort of said, well, because there's, there's nothing's going to go wrong. Hmm. She said, what do you mean? She said, what if, you know, I said, yeah, but that's the, the mindset of it's just a happy accident. It's something else that, you know, it's going to come along. It's not a mistake. It's just something you incorporate and build into it. And I kind of, from then on sort of kind of that happy accent is almost like something is meant to happen and it's about you either listen to it and respond or you ignore it and nothing happens and it's like the idea of yes and here's an opportunity can you do this yes even though i know i can't i'll go away study learn work out how to do it go in bang okay and you learn something from it. so more and more i think people if you embrace the idea of yeah I'll have a go at that uh, if I fail it doesn't matter mm -hmm. you know and being brave enough to kind of go actually you know or I've spent a great deal of time on this it's actually not that good okay bin it off that's fine <laughs> so uh, you know that that that's also fine so you know yeah it's uh I, I think that I think that the two things segue very neatly together um, I think lots of learning from can be applied either way. Yeah, and I love improvising with new people and learning from them. But equally, I get so much comfort from improvising 
with my troop, the Oikers, or with regulars at Flitcher Funny Bone or Glossop Improv that I improv with all the time. Um, but then also when new people come in to the to the drop-in sessions that I run, that's great too because it just adds like a a new dynamic all the time. So improvising with people that you know is awesome, but there's lots of room for new people to get involved as well. Cool. Uh, so let's just go right back to the beginning now, we'll focus on the festival again. And I, I'm just keen to know, so it's a Unity Theatre. How did you put it to them that you've got this idea? Was it a hard sell? Was it an easy sell? Um, well, Gordon, uh, Gordon I've known for ooh, nearly 30 years. <laughs> so um, Gordon's a really interesting cat. Gordon's a fantastic actor, uh, although he doesn't enjoy it like I don't anymore. <laughs> um, I remember seeing Gordon in the smallest theatre in London. Again, the name escapes me in this most amazing play. He was, he was phenomenal. Um, but Gordon's always been really good at championing and spotting and really working out how to enable people and that's what I was that's why I was so excited when he came back almost full circle back to the unity because Gordon uh, worked at Complicite which is one of the greatest theatre companies ever uh, he then went on to become a producer of Frantic Assembly um, so his producing career is really, really diverse. He's run number one venues. He's worked for commercial producers. So he's done everything you can possibly imagine. But his true love is small scale and really interesting work. And, and that's that excites me. Um, so um, I spoke to Gordon two years ago uh, about the idea and he was really keen. Um, Primarily because I said, I pointed out that the sort of improv community had had a tough time um, during the pandemic. Uh, and I said that there's a lot of people out there who are working, you know, maybe rehearsed two, three times a week. They give up a lot of leisure time to do this. Uh, and he kind of got it. Um, so in lots of ways, um, I don't think it was a particularly tough sell. I mean, I was honest and kind of went, oh, I think this is not something that your venue has done for a while uh, in terms of that kind of form. But I think he saw in me the passion I had. And I think passion uh, gets a lot, gets you a long way. It doesn't necessarily always for the, for the positive, but um you know, as John Lydon said, anger is an energy. Um, so, you know, having something that can drive you. And, you know, when I ran Spike, I had that energy. And at a certain point, it just stopped. And then it was just like, I'm done now. You know, everything has a life, has a life cycle, a lifespan. Um, so, you know, for me, I think you could kind of go, okay, so Mark knows, he's got some connections. He's talking about he wants to do something that isn't pay to play which is different. And I never wanted to set up a festival that was that, um, you know, I don't make a bean out of this and doing it because I want to do it. The companies, you know, it's on a box of a split. So 
Unity will take some money, but the majority of the money goes straight to the performer. There's, I, I've paid for the website. I've paid for everything. So I'm not I'm not in it to, you know, I'm at a point in my life where I was kind of going, okay, uh, I want to be able to, uh, to create something that somebody can take on in the future. I don't want to be doing... Uh, setting up a festival uh, and running a festival that's not my aim my aim is to set something up get it going and pass it on to trusted partners you know a group of collaborators who are willing to work on it and if they need some advice then call upon me um you know so i'm um i'll get a new idea um i'll develop an idea get it to a point and go okay Somebody else needs to move this forward now, so it's got uh, it has a new impetus. Um, driving a theatre company for fifteen years is tough, um, and eventually I realised that I needed to have moved on, um, as other has, as others had done slightly sooner, um, because you give of your soul, and that takes a lot out of you. Um, so, you know, a bit like with the incomplete works of Shakespeare, I want that to become its own thing. Uh, I'm happy to train folk once they're up and running and they're doing stuff, then take it on. You know, I've got something else I want to go do. <laughs> um, you know, I'm not there. To, I'm not bothered about, you know, as long as I might pick up a few quid here and there. <laughs> but it's certainly not going to pay back anywhere near the time or energy that I've put into it, but I'm not doing it for that. I'm not doing it for that, any of those reasons. I want to make stuff that, um, uh, that I want to, to, you know, other people to do. I mean, like the incomplete works of Shakespeare, um, is going to Edinburgh next year, uh, this year. So we're going to the Pleasance, um, the above, um for the whole month so that's the next stage for that and then you know in theory we hope to tour it in spring 2024 but i won't be touring it you know <laughs> i've done my bit i've kind of gone oh, okay there we go we've made this piece of work now someone else take it on um you know drop me a few quid here and there whenever you can so yeah i love that you sound like a true artist there you're really invested in the creation of things and then people can take those things and do with them what they will. Um, I think you're going to go on and create again. Yeah, I mean, uh, sort of uh, small, small, I don't know. Um, I'm aware of mortality, you know, uh, I'm aware. Uh, and it's not about creating legacy or anything like that. Um, but I am aware, you know, uh, we lost some people that I know over the pandemic. And I just kind of made me re really reevaluate what is important uh, and go back to the mantra, you know, find the fun. Uh, once it stops being fun for me, it's time for me to move on. Yeah. Um, and that might mean sometimes making big decisions or small decisions, um, you know, um, and I'm a very curious, I've become a, I didn't realize it, but I'm actually someone who's, you know, a learner that is lifelong. Uh, I actually, quite nerdy and quite obsessive uh i get really into something really deep and then and then i'll kind of go oh, okay i've worked out as much of that as i want i'm gonna go and dive deep somewhere else you know i think it stems from when i was a kid 
Um, you know, I was obsessed with the Mayans and the Incas, knew everything about them. Uh, then I got obsessed with the Royal Navy and the Black Book and all the punishments that you could have. Uh, you know, and there's various points in my life I've sort of got to go, oh, I want to know everything about that. How does that work? Um, you know, and I'm just curious. And I think that's I think that's exciting. And that's kind of what gets you up in the morning is kind of going, what's going to be new today? What, what's the new thing? Murmuration was my favourite thing I found out the other day. I'd always wondered what that big, you know, cloud of birds moving around in, in one. Oh, yeah. And it's called a murmuration. And I was like, wow, that's what a beautiful way of, uh, of, of, of a beautiful word for that. Yeah. And so, yeah. So I kind of get obsessive over things. Um, but I do, you know, what well, I, I have now recognized when it's time to step away or time to move on because a, I don't want to do that anymore or B someone else needs to do that and move it on. Cause you know, I've done my bit. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Time is short. I'm not spending five years trying to get to the West End with one piece of work. That's not, I have no interest in, in that <laughs> at all. Yeah. I admire people that do, but that's certainly not me. Certainly not me. Well, that seems like a, a great place to finish the conversation. I will just say to everyone that we're going to be putting links uh, to the tickets and things and the all the information for the Liverpool Improvisation Festival uh, can be found at the, the links that we're going to post when we post this episode. And we'll, we've already posted the link on our on our Facebook page, actually. So people just check out the Facebook page. Uh, they'll find their way to all of the information they need for the Liverpool Improvisation Festival. Uh, so there we go. Thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure to have this chat. Yeah, no, it was... I just looked at the clock and went, bloody hell. <laughs> I, like, I just looked at the clock. I just looked at the clock and went, oh my God, that's an hour. It's just gone like that. Yeah, uh, well, I, I have to say, I can't wait to meet you in person uh, and come and watch your work and uh, and catch up with you more because um, it's kind of, uh, it was it was effortless. So thank you for making it so. <laughs> oh, you're very welcome. It's been a, a real pleasure. Thank you. Well, thank you so much to Mark. That was a really, really great chat. I was super, super happy to have this opportunity to actually sit down and talk with him. He's got an amazing uh, history in improv and in the arts in general. And the fact that he's been able to help make this Liverpool Improvisation Festival a reality is a very exciting thing. And it was really really awesome to have all of the chat about that and find out all about it I do just want to give you all a reminder about some of the details of that so the festival is happening in Liverpool at the Unity Theatre and it opens on Friday the 21st of April at 3pm and runs through to late on the Saturday the 22nd of April at 10pm across the two days there's an exciting program of work including 12 shows, two of which are world premieres, and four workshops. There's a mix of established artists and companies and those who are new and emerging. All the work is improvised and draws upon numerous art forms including clown, comedy, fooling, music, puppetry, storytelling and theatre. There's so many great things there. Like fooling is one in particular that I, I really hope to try and get to see and the puppetry uh, really sticks out to me as well. I'm sure there's specific things that stick out to you there as well. Uh, so yeah, 
go along. You can book tickets for the day. So if you went on the Friday, you could pay £30 and get a ticket for all of the shows. If you go on a Saturday, you can do the same thing, £30 for all of the shows, or you can pay £50 and get all of the shows and all of the workshops, or you can just go and individually buy tickets for the shows that you want to see or the workshops you want to go to. The website is going to be made available for you on links that we post on the show, but if you just search Liverpool Improvisation Festival, uh, everything you need to know uh, will come up in google or whichever search engine you use so yeah check it out so so exciting and it's the first one hopefully the first of many it's gonna be a long-running thing for years to come and who doesn't want to be there the first time right so get your tickets now it's gonna be a really really fantastic couple of days of improv entertainment laughter friendship you know, whatever you want to take from it, it it's just going to be fantastic. And I love when this show gives me an opportunity to connect with people like Mark because it's not just giving me an opportunity to connect with him, it's giving you, the listener, an opportunity to connect with him. And I really liked how passionate he was about everything he was talking about. And I was able to just sit back and just listen and in, enjoy hearing him talk so passionately ab- about this thing that he clearly loves improv and everything else that he's, he's done along the way so thank you very much to mark it, it really was a fantastic chat now if you're interested in getting into improv or already involved in improv and want to try out a different improv scene then all of the information you need can be found at www.liverpoolcomedyimprov.co.uk you can also check us out on facebook by searching for liverpool comedy improv and on twitter and instagram we are at live comedy improv we have a facebook page specifically for the show as well so just go to facebook and search for liverpool comedy improv cast and you'll find everything you need to know about the show there including links for tickets for the liverpool improvisation festival if you are a member of the LCI community and you'd like to be a guest on the show, then please get in touch with me or with Emma Bird and we'll make arrangements as soon as possible. If you are listening on Apple or Spotify, please give us five stars. Leave us a positive review because there's little things like that that really help to give us a boost and get our name out there. If you're interested on in following me on social media in any way, shape or form, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube and TikTok. Just search for at Ian Luke Jones. Ian with two eyes as always. And that is pretty much it. So yeah, hopefully I'll see you at the Liverpool Improvisation Festival in some way, shape or form. Maybe you'll be watching a show. Maybe you'll be taking a workshop. Maybe you'll just be hanging around and trying to take in the atmosphere. Whatever you do, I hope you have a great time doing it. Before I go, here are some words, as always, that are wise, wise, wise. Always remember, whatever the situation, to treat life like improv. And yes, and...